Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the Magic Time Podcast off-season edition, although we're getting much closer to the actual season, less than a month for tip-off to the NBL Canada season. Of course, the Moncton Magic play their first home game November 17th against the Halifax Hurricanes. I'm Scott Squires, very pleased to be joined by Zeke Marshall. Uh, how you doing today, Zeke? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Well, listen, it's really nice to be able to, to have you on the podcast. Uh, it's great to be able to introduce a lot of the new players on the 2018-2019 edition of the team to the fans. So that's kind of the purpose of this uh, podcast with you is to get to know a little bit about you. So first of all, Zeke, uh, you are from a town in Pennsylvania called McKeesport. Uh, what can you tell us uh, about the town where you're from? Well, it's a small town. Uh, it's no very big on sports. Uh, you know, it has a uh, a commemoration with uh, the city right next to it called White Oak, and you know, that's where the high school and and people get to get from. So I grew up there all my life, and uh, it was more of just a lot of sports. And the schooling was pretty good, but it was more just known for sports, so uh, especially football. But you know, I just made my way, and you know, now I'm where I'm at. Well, it's uh, it's not far from uh, the city of Pittsburgh. So I'm guessing that growing up, there was probably a lot of influence from uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the uh, the Pirates. Uh, there wouldn't be there's no NBA basketball team in Pittsburgh. So who was kind of your NBA team growing up, Zeke? Well, it it changed a lot. It used to be Orlando because I was a fan of Shaquille O'Neal. Um, then it changed into Portland back when Scottie Pippen you know was was playing for them. Then it changed again when I was with the San Antonio. Uh, then it changed again with the Denver Nuggets back when it was coming out Allen Iverson. Then it changed again when the Suns with Amari and Shaquille O'Neal, and now it's the Suns. Uh, and now it's San Antonio. I like the organization. So, so you kind of like uh, were more of a fan of like players, and then whoever the player was on, you kind of in a way, yeah, team. because you don't have no you have an affiliation on this. In Philadelphia, isn't an affiliation with Pittsburgh. So. People always say that well, people from Pittsburgh don't take Philly. People I was going to say, like I don't imagine that Pittsburgh and Philly have any kind of connection on the sports. No. I think I think it's more about rivalry than getting along. Yeah, yeah, it's more rivalry than anything else. So from McKeesport, you know, you obviously uh, were very good at basketball, uh, and then along comes the NCAA, uh, the college route, and you ended up going to Akron. Uh, how did you end up going to play for Akron, uh, the team known as the Zips, part of the Mid-Atlantic Conference or the MAC? Yes. Well, it, uh, it's actually Mid-American, um, but um, I just, I, they were recruited me. I was being recruited by a lot of teams. Uh, it, I, it just became a fit because of the coach and the atmosphere, and I just felt like uh, I, it would be a good fit, and I also looked at it as a little selfishly of if I can take this team to a Sweet 16 or a Elite 8 birth, then I can be a draft pick. So that's where that's also one of the reasons why I picked that school. You had a very good collegiate career at Akron, and certainly uh, your senior year was perhaps your best, at least in terms of uh, statistically. Uh, you had a wonderful year rebounding the ball in your senior year. 81 offensive boards, 150 defensive boards for 231 total. You had 21 steals as well on the season, but you also had a big year in blocks in your senior year, 122 blocks. Uh, 
what was it about your senior year that kind of had everything come together for you, Zeke? Well, I've always been the guy who who, who has to play with confidence to be at my best. Um, and that usually takes time. It takes time. It takes me uh, it takes me getting comfortable. I'm very over-analytical, so it takes me a long time to get comfortable into a place. And with three years in my belt, with trust in my coaches and trust in my teammates, I could play, well, truly play with my hair down, which is why each year my stats went up. If you notice, if you go from my freshman to sophomore to junior, each year all my stats went up. So, and that's because I'm getting more comfortable. And as I get more comfortable, I play a lot better. Uh, so that's why my senior year was probably my best year because at that point I felt like, you know, I know where my team is, I know how my coach is, I know how everything works, and I can play, you know, and I can use what my advantages are. Now I'm an old school basketball guy. When I think of blocks, I think of guys like uh, David Robinson, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, even Dikembe Mutombo. But you actually have a record that you still hold for blocks. Uh, for the listeners, what what can you tell us about uh, what record it is you hold for blocks from your collegiate days? Well, I actually hold a few records, actually. Um, the records, the, I have the all-MAC conference uh, block shot record. So from all, from all of MAC history, I beat uh, the, um, the conference in blocks. I beat the next guy by, I think, 88 blocks or something like that. Uh, the other record I have is I'm one of four players in NCAA history to have averaged 12 points, 6.5 rebounds, and three blocks with a 60% field goal percentage. And there's only and the three players are on it are Akeem Olajuwon. I, I can't remember the other ones, but there's only like three, and they're big names. And I'm using <laughs> me from Akron. Uh, and I also have the shop block in my school too. So it's a, I have a few records. So. You got a few things you can hang your hat on there, Zeke. And listen, just doing a little research on you, uh, you know, all kinds of accolades for you playing uh, in the MAC. You were a uh, tournament MVP in the MAC in 2011. You were on the all tournament team in 2011 and, and 13. Two time defensive player of the year in the MAC, 2012, 2013. You were on the all-freshman team, obviously, in your freshman year. And uh, you also, your senior year, uh, the Max had a one, or excuse me, the, the Zips had a wonderful year, 26-7, and seven, first in the MAC. You, you won the conference championship. You were on the all-tournament yeah. team. Uh, what was that senior year like, not just for you personally and statistically, but overall as a team? How did you enjoy, or what was that senior year like for you? It was, that was, that was probably one of the most amazing seasons I've had because um, and I don't know if you remember, back in the NBA, that was when the Miami Heat had the 33-game win streak. Well, when they lost, we actually had the biggest win streak in basketball or in sports. Because we had 19, at that point, we got to 19 wins in a row without losing. So we were on ESPN every day because we kept winning. And you know, we at that point, we came, you know, we were at one point, you know, 20 and 3 or something. It was just and I said, we won all our games in a row. So we won 19 games in a row, and they were on ESPN all the time. And at that point, we became ranked you know, for the first time in, in since, like, 1928 or something. That We became ranked nationally. Um, in the coaches' poll, we were 24. So our season was just going and going. Unfortunately, that's, that's where it ended, or that's where it started going downhill because we started having a lot of issues 
with the, with the team and uh, a lot of injuries and a lot of stuff started happening and it just started going down, going downhill. But I do feel if that didn't happen, we could have went so far that year. Well, there's no question that, uh, you know, you guys had a remarkable year. The team played well, had a great season. You had an amazing season as a senior. So your college years, they are now behind you. You move on as a senior. And uh, maybe just a little bit about your G League experience, because I know for me, I'm a Boston Celtics fan, and I know that the main Red Claws uh, have an affiliation with the Celtics. What can you tell us about your time in the G League back in 2013, 2014? Um, it was it was an interesting experience. It was a more experience of like trying to get acclimated with how NBA works and playing fifty games and you know you're playing and there be get times of playing five games seven days. There were a few times we've had that and you know we're playing lots of games and we're trying playing more games and they're trying to you know stay uh, you know stay productive despite playing all these games. Um, and it was it was a uh, very big learning experience. You know, that's where I learned that I had to get stronger. I learned I had to get um, not to eat better. Like all that stuff starts coming together when the people start telling you you need to eat well, you need to do this. Mm-hmm. You start realizing why because you're playing big games and you're tired. And you, know, you have to go back to the next day do the same thing. So you need to start taking things more seriously. That's what I think what happened when I was in the from the main Red Claws, I know that uh, last year you spent some time with the Grand Rapids Drive and affiliation with the Detroit Pistons, but you have been a world traveler in basketball, Zeke. I'll just name off some of the countries that you've experienced as a player. You've played in Belgium. You've played in France. You've played in Taiwan. You've played in Lebanon. Very recently, you've played in Saudi Arabia. What is that in? Inex- what is that international experience like, Zeke? And how did it help you grow as a player? It helped me grow to the point where um, playing, like, it, it helped me grow as a player to realize that you know basketball, you know, is is is, is a business. So when you come in, like, when you come in these countries, some of these countries and some of these, you know, depending on how and what country, like in Saudi Arabia, they're very serious about how you know they're with sports because it's money for them. Most of business for them, so they most of them don't understand, you know, basic defense. But all they know, all they know is they have investors that they're trying to appease. Uh, you learn that um, not everyone thinks the same way as basketball as you. So you have to go in with a business mindset where okay, I have to do my job just like anyone. You have to go in and do your job, and uh, and as long as you do your job, everyone's happy. But if you're not doing your job, then you're going to have problems and you'll have problems very fast because, you know, these guys are investing a lot of money into what we do. So uh, that's where I think that's part of the big learning experience I've had in, in trying to learn, you know, I can't get as comfortable like I was in college. You know, you have to acclimate quickly. You have to get comfortable quickly so you can start doing your job. So I think that's the biggest experience I've gotten when I've been traveling overseas a lot. And, uh, especially with culture, you you learn a lot. I just have to play in Saudi Arabia, so that's a big culture shock. And you're in France and Europe, it's a culture shock there. So you learn a lot about culture yourself. You know, you get with that world experience. You also get a um, you also get uh, what word am I looking for? Perspective for how it is when you're at home too. When you're at home, you know, you can 
understand, you know, what it's like to be over there rather than just having a single-minded vision that, oh, I'm in the United States and I know how everything is. Let you go out there and see it for yourself. You talk about culture shock, and I can only imagine what it would be like being in some of these countries that, you know, I'm guessing would have very different uh, traditions in, in some areas and, and mm-hmm. you know, um, different ways of doing things. For you, you don't have to specifically mention a, a particular country, but for you overall, traveling abroad and going to these different countries, you know, you say culture shock. What were one or two things that you were really like, oh, wow, this is so different? Oh, from I, have no, I have no problem. I'll, I'll, I mean, in Saudi Arabia, for instance, um, there will be times where they'll stop the game to pray. Now, if you don't know about how Islam, wor- um, well, Islam works, is they pray to their God, Allah, five times a day, every day. So there'll be times in their games where we're having a game, and usually they pray around like 2, 3, 4 o'clock, 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock. So if it goes around that time, a halftime, everyone will stop. Everyone will stop. They'll pull out their carpets, which is where they use to pray on. And they'll pray. So we will, so for me, as a respect, I'll still shoot, but usually I'll keep it quiet because just to respect them and how they pray. But um, the Americans usually just walk around and rest. But they'll rest for, you know, the halftime be 10 minutes. We'll be resting for a half an hour before they start again. So there'll be something as simple as that to where, you know, you think you're going to be playing and all of a sudden it's prayer time. Um, same thing when you're in, uh, um, in restaurants or the mall. When it's prayer time, everything closes. Everything shuts down. You know, the only thing you can see is people driving. But minus that, people go to a mosque. You'll hear it going out through the no, the whole um, the whole street or neighborhood or wherever you're at or the city. You'll hear the whole mosque and the, the preacher praying and everyone be praying. And you just wait it out. You know, if you're trying to go somewhere, you got to wait it out. And then once you, once everyone's done, it opens up and you do what you have to do. That is as big a culture shock as I've ever heard anybody explain to me. And, you know, I guess it's one of those things that you would kind of know in the back of your mind, but until I actually heard you say it, I never really thought about the fact that in these Middle Eastern countries, that's kind of what they would do. Do you remember the first time it happened? Like, did anybody tell you it was going to happen, or were you just there and all of a sudden, like, what's going on? I was just just there. I mean, I I have a general idea how Islam works. I knew they pray. I knew they do this, but I remember I was at the mall, and you no, know, and it was one of my first times there because I've been in Saudi Arabia for two years. So my first year when I was there, I was I had to walk across the street to go to the mall to where we get our food and stuff like that. And there's a grocery store, but I remember one time the prayer time was about to start, and I was about to go to the mall, and they said, "No, you can't come in." And I said, "No, why?" You said, "Prayer time." You know, prayer time. I'm like, okay. So I waited out and. I talked to some of my teammates, and they said, yeah, prayer time takes about 30 to 45 minutes. It's going to have to, you know, when it's prayer time, everything closes, and I saw everything closing. Everything in the mall, all the stores were closing. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to wait. So I waited it out, and you know, when everything opened up again, I went back over and got what I needed to get. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, it's a big, big culture shock, especially if you're not part of that place. Yeah, that would definitely be an eye-opener and something to get used to. Now, on the flip side, I know that, you know, traveling outside North America, especially to some of the countries you've been to, you're going to find a big difference in food. But let me ask you this question. Of all the different countries that you've been to, what one did you enjoy the most in terms of the food? Like, you were like, man, this this food's great. I could eat this all the time. Lebanon. 
Lebanon. Okay. What, what was it about Lebanese. Lebanon? I Lebanese actually love Lebanese food. food. Yeah, Lebanese food is amazing. It's vegetables, green vegetables, uh, hummus, bread. Um, but they incorporate so much green into their food, and I have no idea how they do it. But they incorporate, you know, they have their, their chickens, their beef, but they incorporate so many vegetables to it. It's completely different. Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is nothing but carbs and meat and carbs and chicken. It's a lot of rice, a lot of chicken. But over there, it's a lot of vegetables, a lot of vegetables. You guys have hummus. Vegetable based, you know, um, you know, vegetable based uh, dip. Uh, so it's, I think Lebanon was probably the best when it comes to food. I love Lebanese food because of it. I remember a couple of years, well, more than a couple of years ago now, but a gentleman that uh, I was doing a story on, he was, uh, he used to be a, a defenseman in the NHL anyway. He was, he was Lebanese descent. And I went over to his house one time and his sister, had these things, they were like, they were kind of like cabbage rolls, but they were called grape leaves. They were like grape leaf rolls. It was like this spicy meat wrapped up in grape leaves. I don't know if you ever had those, but they were amazing. Did you ever have anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's exactly what it was, but yes, they'll have stuff wrapped in leaves with meat and stuff and put into it, and it'll be the most delicious thing ever. <laughs> it's, it's Like you said, it's, it's amazing. Like, just talking about it, it just makes me unfeared. It's absolutely amazing. I, that's one thing I love when I was over there was, know our coach especially he has a lot of money so he would just invite people over and cook and it would be amazing now there's many sides to you outside of basketball you mentioned one of the things that you really started to learn with the g league and then going and playing internationally was you know just how much of a business that sports and basketball is so there's a financial side to you that we'll get to in a minute but there's also your computer information, uh, computer science, video game uh, side that kind of goes with the analytical mind that you talked about. You actually studied uh, computer information systems in college. Where does your kind of uh, love and joy from all things computery and science come from, Zeke? It came from when I was a kid. Now, as, as you know, I'm the, I'm, as you said, I'm a gamer, so uh, there was a program that my brother used. Well, I always was a fan of video games, which made me like technology and software to begin with. But it really got me into computers, particular uh, and specifically was my brother had a program on his on the computer that could play Nintendo games, and I used to play it all the time. But that fascinated me so much to where I was like, okay, how are we playing Nintendo on a computer? And there was another program that my brother had that could play Dreamcast. And these are all old systems, but he was able to play it through the computer. And I'm like, I'm figuring out how is this possible? And then as I got a little bit older, I'm playing you know, MMORPGs on computers, and I'm seeing the amazing things computer can do, uh, computers can do. And it just, to me, just made, it just opened my eyes to where, uh, you know, I want to be like it. I want to understand all this stuff. And it, it just, and actually, I knew what I wanted to go to college for before I even got to high school. When I got to Akron, though, that was one of my ways, actually, the the um the sipped out colleges. I would specifically ask them to give me information on their IT program, and no call and no colleges would do it. There's only three colleges I did, so in Akron was one of them. And and there you go. That's how you ended up going to Akron. Now, the computers and IT and all of that uh, realm. You talk about having an analytical mind and wanting to know. The more you learn about it and the more you get into it, Zeke, the more you realize that there's always more and more questions, the more and more you dig into it. 
do you ever find yourself kind of going, ah, oh, this is, I know there's too much. I can't figure it all out. Or you just kind of like, oh, okay, I need to know more and more and more. Kind of what's your approach as you go along and as you dig more into what you do? Well, what I think more is, is I think what really helped me is the fact that my love for it. You know, like, you know, for instance, my, I was in CCNA, which is Cisco. And uh, CCNA 1 is, you know, those hard classes that fill out all those guys who aren't going to pass. And I'm an athlete, so I'm one only athlete in the CIS computer information in the in, you know, in the campus. So when I'm going to slate table, people can't help me. But apparently that class had, I think, 60% fail rate, and I passed it the first time. So, like, and I think, and you have to think, I'm missing a lot of classes, too. I'm missing classes because I have games. And I think my love for it is what taught me to, to learn and pick it up so fast. So um, I think that is what really gets me. So if I don't know something, it's more of, okay, but I want to understand it just because I want to understand it because you know, I like to learn. I don't like being ignorant. So I want to learn just because, you know, I don't know it. So let me go figure out why it's not working or how I can get it to work. Uh, that motivation is what helps me keep learning things. However, now, you know, I understand that if I keep learning, like you said, it's always more questions which is why I can't truly focus on it right now because there's always something changing. Everything's <laughs> always changing. That's a very, like me learning anything now will be outdated in two years. But most of the stuff I learned in college minus the building blocks are completely outdated now. So that's one reason why I don't, I can't, I don't, I'm not in classes. Like, like when I'm over here, I'm not in classes just because of something like that. Listen, I have a hard enough time keeping up with the latest phone, let alone all of the <laughs> other technology that's out there. <laughs> Now, an important question, because my son's a gamer, an important question for any gamer would be, are you a console-based gamer or are you a PC-based gamer or a bit of both? Mm-mm, I am straight PC now. Console gaming now, it's almost, they're, they're basically built PCs now. They used to be. Back in the day, like back in the PlayStation 2 days, that was back when consoles were truly consoles, dedicated consoles. But now... All the cons are, are computers put into boxes. All they are now. So, uh, so I'm honestly a big PC gamer because, uh, like to say, games are a lot more varied there. Um, in console, they're very restrictive now. It, 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 that's sort of, I can go into that as a long story, but <laughs> consoles they are very restricted now. So I like the the freedom I get in computers. Okay, so that leads me to my next question. Because uh, I know, again, my son, he's 19. I know the games that he's into and and because he asks me for them for gift-giving occasions. But for you, right now, what are your go-to games? Like, if you know, if, if Zeke's got some chill time and you're going to play some games on the PC, what are you loading up? What are you playing? Uh, right now, I'm playing MTG Arena, which is basically magic. Uh, it's a card game. It's a very old card game, very popular, too. Um, that's one of the things I play because it doesn't take much energy except thinking. And, you know, I'll be laying in my bed and I can just, you know, with, you know I, can, I can slowly just make my moves and we do our other person's turn. So it's not fast. Hey, it's a slow-paced game. That's one of the games I'm playing. I usually play a game like that during the season. Plus, I have some free time because it takes, you know, it doesn't take as much energy. Um, other than that, there's uh, so many games I play. Uh, I can't. <laughs> but that's probably one of the main ones I'm still playing. And I play a game called RuneScape also. That's also a slow-paced RPG. So I like slow-paced games in the season because it doesn't take much thinking and not much, you know, 
reaction. I don't need to do all that. I can just relax and do what happens. So I like those. Now, I, I think the answer to this might be a lot, but let me ask you anyway. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. How many games do you have? Games. Oh, my gosh. Uh, just on my computer alone, I have let's see, over over 250 games, like over 250. And that's a very conservative number. I'm not talking to ones I have downloaded on my computer. It's not using the application I'm talking about. There's a lot of other ones that are hitting in my computer, so. I can easily stay over 300, but, you know, I have a lot of games. So, I guess, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but, because I'm a fan of the show, but do you like the Big Bang Theory? I liked it, and I didn't like it. I like it because I, I, like, I can get a lot of the jokes, and I really enjoy that. I, but I think one thing I don't like about it is the fact that it's trying to popularize, it's trying to, in my opinion, is trying to popularize geekdom a little too much. I feel like geeks eventually, like you have to remember, back in the day, geeks used to be talked about all the time. And, you know, and we used to be shunned in, in, in the most social circles, and that's where we treat into video games like Dungeons and Dragons. Like, that's why that happens, because we were shunned from every other community. And now it's starting to become more popular because of how popular technology is. Now technology is so mainstream, now people will think, oh, okay, geeks are cool now. And it's in a way trying to make geekdom cool, which, I mean, I think geeks should just be geeks rather than trying to make a buck out of it, in my opinion. So that's why. That to, me, cause to me, it's important because that's where I was. I used to be bullied when I was a kid. So like that is what I used to retreat. I used to retreat the video games and the Yu-Gi-Oh! and those geek stuff. So to me, it's very special. So I don't like it to be tainted for just you know some financial gain or something. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, well, it's it obviously is something that's very near and dear to you, and it's it's been a big part of your life. Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, how you feel about that based on, you know, the uh, financial side of it and, and your thoughts on that, which kind of segues me back to what I was mentioning earlier, which is kind of your uh, aptitude for financial things. And as you've grown and gotten older and seen the business side, you know, from every all the research that I've done on you, your financial acumen and your ability to grasp financial things has grown to the point where it seems that uh, you are very willing to uh, offer some advice to your teammates as well. Kind of where did that kind of well, part of your, your life come from? Well, it's not big. It's more of I understand basic economics now. And unfortunately, in our, in our, um, in our culture, our culture is brought up with spending and, and putting people in debt, which does drive economy. I'm not going to go too in depth into it, but mo because most people don't have the financial, I mean, the intellectual curiosity like I have, most people don't look, take a second look at what they're being taught in, in a lot of cases. Like, you know, when you're in school and someone tells you about taxes, people will say, okay, taxes, I'm not going to use them in real life, whatever. And they'll no, and they won't take a second look at that. Like, okay, what exactly is why are they why are we being taxed? How are we being taxed? You know, what is these tax money going to? People don't they ask those questions. So, come to find when they get older, they don't understand a lot about economics, and they don't understand a lot about how taxes work or how money works. And and it's more so a problem in in the professional ranks up here because a lot a lot of these kids, a lot of these players are. Growing up with not being told stuff like that, so uh, I come. You no, know, 
they come to me on season. They start to come to me and ask me for advice. So I am very careful what type of advice I get because I'm not an expert. So I always tell them that this is what the basis in the way are. Now, if you want any more advanced or you want to make you know, a type of investment, I recommend you go meet someone and you explain to them what you want to do. But I tell them the basis of like how mutual funds work and how taxes and, and overseas work and stuff like that. Because you know, that's what I've done. I tell them those just some very basic, you know, advice on how to start investing. And you know, these guys are some of these guys are very thankful for it because they didn't understand it. If I have them, it's crazy how so many people don't understand what even mutual funds are. And when I tell them, they look at me like I'm unbelievable. Like I'm just speaking Chinese to them because they can't believe it. Like, oh, this is what it is. This is what it is. I'm like, yeah. Like when you talk about how rich stay rich and tax havens, like this is how they do it. And they just look at me like I'm crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) You know, Zeke, I'm I'm listening to you and I'm fascinated. And I'm in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I think that there's the possibility here for the uh, Zeke's financial podcast with Scott as the host. (laughs) <laughs> I like it. Hey, it works. I mean, it's a said, No, I, I have a general I, good idea. Though, as I said, financial, when it comes to finance, finance like friends, when the U.S., there are so many laws and stuff that can happen around it. It's always good to have someone that you can go to. But for basics, I've been very, I mean, I've opened a lot of guys, a lot of people's eyes on it, you know, and I'm also going into the real estate side, too, because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm into that also. So, it's you know information based, especially basic, uh, and I feel like it helps me more. It helps these guys learn more because they I, they can trust me. It's like okay, I'm also a player. I also come from around the same background as you guys. This is how it's done, and, and, and which is what gives them more trust and to believe in what I say rather than just some random person. You know, they have those talks. And you know how those kids will listen to it, but they won't really take in take heed of what they're saying. That usually doesn't happen. Well, it's good for you to be able to have that kind of ability to wrap your head around that because so many times, especially professional athletes, as you mentioned, don't, and it harms them down the road. So let's circle back Mm -hmm. to basketball because that's what you do for a living. The Moncton Magic. You have a connection, actually, with Moncton. I mentioned the main red clause earlier. Back in that 2013-2014 G League season, you played with Corey Almond. Corey, of course. Uh, one of the leaders on the Magic, coming back for his second year with the squad. But uh, why why the Moncton Magic? How did you end up coming here, Zeke? Well, honestly, my agent found it. My uh, my agent was doing his job really well. So, uh, and he's the one who found it for me. Uh, and to me, when I was reading and learning about the organization, it really helped me make a decision because I it's they, they seem more genuine. I hate to talk bad about some of the others. And I'm not talking bad about some of the other clubs I've been in, but because of the business side of it, it's a lot more cutthroat than it is in college or high school or anything else like that. So, um, but it was a very fine balance when, because um, you know, if you're not LeBron, those coaches, I mean, those clubs have the power of you at that point. Um, it's a very fine balance of how to handle that power when, you, when you're treating players. You, know, you can't just be, you know, having a power struggle of, okay, you need to do this. And you don't do this, you're gone. And you know, that's how that's what the most cases are in some countries. You know, if you don't if you lose two games, you're gone and they're gonna find someone else. Um so it's a very fine balance to work that with it's 
know, to have that confidence on your players to where you're not just going to let them go and if they do, you know, two things wrong and, um, and also making your money as a business should. So I felt like I was more comfortable with this team because of that, um, because I felt like with the coach and talking to him, he seemed genuine, which I'm, I'm becoming a really good reader of, you know, character. I haven't found that much often, at least when it comes to some coaches. Uh, there's some that are, but then, you know, they'll get overwritten by the manager or the president. It's okay. He needs to go and it's over. So uh, I just got a good feeling about it, honestly. Well, you know something, and that's that's a constant uh, theme with other players that have come to the Moncton Magic organization, have chosen Moncton. We've talked a lot about, you know, your background and your playing time, especially at Akron. For fans that may not be familiar with you as a player, what do you bring to the Moncton Magic? What, you know, we talked about your rebounding in your blocks, but you obviously have a very analytical mind and, and you can break down the game. What are the Moncton yeah. Magic fans getting when Zeke Marshall takes the floor? Well, you're getting, you're basically getting someone who can, one, run the floor really well. Uh, I am, I am an, I'm a defensive anchor. Most people can't, no, most people aren't going to be driving. You're not going to see a lot of drives. You're not going to see a lot of layups. Like those layups you see when people get wide open, that won't happen. They'll have to be shooting jump shots. Um, you'll get someone who is very efficient when he shoots. I don't like shooting that often, but when I shoot, uh, I feel like it's going in. So I don't shoot no 12, 13 times. I shoot six, seven and go six or seven or five or seven. And that's how I was in college too. You know, um, I didn't average, you know, 20 shots a game. I averaged maybe, I think, I think I was averaging nine or 10 shots a game. So even as a star player. So, um, that's what you'll get. You get someone who's efficient, who try to you know who does well, who's a defensive anchor. You've had a little bit of time now. I know not a lot of time, but you're getting familiar and acclimated with your coach, some of your new teammates, the city of Moncton. What are your early impressions uh, after just a couple of days in Moncton, Zeke? Oh, my goodness. Moncton is uh, Moncton is weird to me because of how nice everyone is. It's very weird. Like, it's, <laughs> like, I, I, like I hate to say it, but it is. It's very weird of how nice everyone is. Like, I felt like it's like a mask. But it might, you know, I may know it's not an ass, but it seems like it. I've been to so many places, and I've traveled, as you know. I travel a lot. So I've never been in a place that has so many nice people. I mean, I was waiting at the airport, and I was waiting for one of the coaches to come get me. And one of the guys on my plane I was, we were talking to, he just smiled saying, oh, do you need a ride somewhere? And I was like, uh, I mean, no. To me, when I hear that, my guard goes up from where I'm at. I'm like, okay, why are you asking? But when I, I mean, when I really took a second thought, it's genuinely being nice and asking me if I need someone. And I said, no, thank you. Uh, my coach actually on his way. He came back about two minutes later and he said, okay, no problem. And he just kept going. I was like, uh, weird. But I mean, it was nice, but it was weird. <laughs> I mean, you don't see people that nice anymore, honestly. You know, people aren't that nice anymore. So that's one thing I'm very thankful for is that you know, there are people who are, who are very nice here and, it seems, you know, it might sound cliche, but like, you don't get that in a lot of the country. A lot of other places aren't like that. So being let you out and stand for yourself. I think I see a, a new T-shirt or a new tagline for Moncton Tourism. Moncton, we're so nice, some people find it weird. <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, it was, like, I hate to say that, but it was. Like, even when I was on the airplane, everyone's all nice. I'm like, 
This <laughs> one's so nice. And I mean, I'm nice too. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, why is everyone so nice? Why is everyone so open? I'm like, uh, y'all must be a small city. There's no way. There's no way anywhere else I've been to. They're not this nice. But they were, they were very nice. And I was very thankful. It felt good to have people, you know, um, care that much. I mean, you don't get that, especially in our, in our profession. They don't care. All they care about is how much money you can make. So it felt really good to see that someone actually can care. So. Well, I think you'll find, Zeke, uh, as you travel around the National Basketball League of Canada and go to the different cities that you're going to play in, especially in Atlantic Canada, which is where you're based out of now, New Brunswick, where Moncton is, of course, Prince Edward Island, where the Island Storm are, uh, Nova Scotia, where the Cape Breton Highlanders and the Halifax uh, Hurricanes are, and then over in Newfoundland and Labrador, where the St. John's Edge are. I think you're going to find it really weird in all those places because it's going to be much the same. It's it's You're just going to find really nice people wherever you go. And and it's, it's nice to actually hear you say that because I think sometimes we forget just how nice we are in this, in this part of the world. So that's pretty yeah, neat. It's, yeah, like trust me, y'all go to other parts of the world and do that, you're going to get scuffs and no one that you like you're crazy if you go to other parts of the world and do that. Like, like, like that's how weird it was. Because like, when I see some people did what they did, I'm like, you're like, uh, some people will not take that lightly. You know, some people will ignore you or think you're up to something, you know, but when I'm, you're here and I'm like, wow, everyone's really nice. Okay. Uh, I gotta, you know, be nice back and you know, I smile and no talk. And well, it's great to have you in the city of Moncton. It's great to have you as a member of the Moncton Magic. Uh, looking forward to meeting you in person. And I know the fans are going to be excited to come out and watch you and the rest of the team. I know training camp starts soon. And as I said off the top, regular season, less than a month away. Zeke Marshall, I cannot thank you enough for spending time with us on the podcast here. It has been an absolute delight to chat with you and to get to, little, to know a little more about you. So thanks. No problem. That's Zeke Marshall. He is a member of the Moncton Magic and it's going to be great to see Zeke and the rest of the Magic hitting the floor at the Avenir Center not too far away. November 17th, it all gets started for real. The regular season tips off against the Halifax Hurricanes. I'm Scott Squires. This has been the Magic Time Podcast. Thanks very much to Zeke once again. And remember, my friends, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now.